0: Exodus 32.14 Then the Lord changed his mind about the terrible things he would do to his people. What do we do with this image of God? What do you do with it? The God who is so angry with the people who have forgotten him that he decides that they must be destroyed. The God that then gets talked around, coaxed into not being a murderer. Nice God, good little God, shh, shh, oh shh, the people didn't mean to upset you by worshipping a golden calf, everything's fine, we love you the best, you are our favourite. What do we do with this? We all know that the classical understanding of the God from the Judaic Christian tradition is of a God who is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present and all-good. But surely this story runs contrary to this classical understanding, clearly, The all good part is tricky to reconcile. And what about the all knowing? In the story, we hear that God changed God's mind. But can an all knowing God really change? I mean, is that even possible? I mean, if God knows everything, then he knew that he was going to change because he knew that he was going to be argued out of his wrath because he knows everything, which means that he didn't really change because he already knew how everything was going to turn out anyway. Are you following? But then what happens to free will? I mean, we like free will. Okay, so so how's about we get rid of the all-knowing part? How about we say that possibly even possibly maybe God doesn't know the future because everything is not preordained, which means that we are then left to wrestle with the vast implications that this could have for faith, implications like I don't know, we might need to work together with God to be part of the great story of grace in our midst. And we might need to do all we can to say yes to love. But maybe, maybe because the image of God given to us in this ancient text is not one that resonates with you, maybe none of this seems particularly relevant and it's all just more words, 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 words from an ancient story from so long ago. And if you are one of those who reads stories such as this and goes, what? You might then also be asking, why do we even bother? I mean, why do we bother falling down the rabbit hole of theological justification, twisting ourselves in knots to make the horrific justified and the ends of all these old stories neatly tied up in doctrinal bows? And of course, it's not just the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, as we now refer to it, that challenge us in this way. Today's gospel tells us the story of the parable of a king who sends his soldiers to destroy the people because they have refused the invitation to the wedding of his son, and who then invites all the poor people, the good and the bad, to the feast instead, but who then throws one of these poor people into a pit filled with gnashing teeth because he's not wearing the right clothes. And this story finishes with, many are called, but few are chosen. But I don't think that's true. Do you? Does the God that you feel in your heart really condemn some of us to pits of eternal fire and do terrible things to others as a punishment for being idiots? Since I was last with you, a month or so has passed and the world has witnessed its largest ever gun massacre by an individual. The reports coming out from the States include those Christians who are arguing that this is clearly God's will, falling upon the head of those who don't support Trump. And there are others who are speaking about how they are now fervent believers because God saved them from being mown down. Which is really just a little bit weird because the next logical step is that God didn't save the other 58. And so what the hell does that mean? And then there are the voices from the Islamic fundamentalists claiming the shooting as their victory and on and on and on and on. But another slightly saner voice, American Minister Reverend Benjamin Corey, has argued that this massacre is the end of, amongst other things, America's idolatry of the gun. Idolatry. Mid-13th century. Image of a deity as an object. Pagan worship from the old French. Idol. Graven image. Pagan God from the Latin. Idolum. Image from. Apparition. Ghost. Idolatry. It's the most common sin mentioned in the Bible and setting aside this despotic behaviour of the God in today's story. Ultimately this is what today's story is all about. Idolatry putting anything in place of or before God. Idolatry, an excessive devotion to something. And in America right now, there is an idolatry not just of the gun, but also of the reason behind the gun. And that reason, it's fear. In the words of Reverend Corey, we we do crazy things when we worship the God of fear. And one of the craziest examples I've ever seen was at my previous church, Some folks of the church wanted to make the gun, the church, a gun-free zone, but encountered immediate pushback on this idea. One person even going so far as to say they would quit the church if they couldn't bring the gun inside. We are literally shooting each other on a daily basis to the point that it's not even shocking anymore. We've created a culture that cultivates fear, worships individual rights, and justifies an endless cycle of violence. And now we're experiencing the consequences of our own sick idolatry so that's america but what about us what do we put before god do we also put fear is it fear that we put before god and if it is then what is it that we fear nationally the age newspaper The sixth asylum seeker to die on Manus Island under Australia's watch last week registered barely a ripple. Rajiv Rajasthan, a Tamil refugee who fled Sri Lanka died in the early hours of Monday apparently by suicide. Police in Papua New Guinea confirmed the deaths but it went unremarked upon by the Australian government. Oh what is it that we fear so much What is it dear Australia For we are a land filled with Refugees, and this good land has been our Saviour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we are a land filled with refugees. And this good land has been our Saviour. So refugees, the other, the outcast, the foreigner, that one's clear, that's a clear fear. What else? Pope Francis believes that we have created new idols and that the worship of the ancient golden calf has returned in a new and ruthless guise, in the idolatry of money and the dictatorship of an impersonal economy lacking a truly human purpose. So is he kind of talking about New idols being like, oh, you know, I don't know, like building a coal mine that will destroy the barrier reef and which is lacking in any truly human purpose, that, that kind of idol. We tell these old stories over and over again because they are part of the great Parthenon of the stories of humanity and because they still speak to us today. Because we are still worshipping false idols. We are still making God in our own image. And even the image of how God is portrayed in these stories is not the truth of who God is. It's just another projection from a group of people in time and place struggling to express their own experience of the living God. And, in this case anyway, they have chosen to project God as a despot and a murderer and a psychopath a projection to keep us in line to keep us afraid but behind all this is the longing my heart is restless till it rests in thee my heart is restless my heart is restless till it rests in thee my heart is restless till it rests in thee. The the longing to be part of kindness and hope and a longing to experience the divine in heart and body and community and creation.